This is Din. And this is Rish. And welcome to Z-Talk, the Zelda Dungeon podcast. We have lots of awesome segments for you today. Well, not lots, but they're big segments. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that means no community tip and no community question this month. Just because we got some hefty segments. But look for those in the future. And we have an extremely exciting Keaton quiz, so stick around for that. Um, Contributed to the length, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Definitely did. But you know what, Din? Enough talking. Let's get right to it. Sounds good. Aww. Alright, first up we have Random Person, who's going to randomly talk about something that's normal. And not random. That's kind of odd for him. Random is not random today. Alright, let's get to it. Sup, peeps? Random Person here. And you're listening to Random in Person, where Random Person, which is me, gives his random thoughts about the random things he thinks about in Zelda randomly. Now, today I'm going to be talking to you about a normal topic, not anything weird, not no theories or anything, just a normal, everyday topic. And that is the story in Zelda. Now, I think story is very important, but I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy who, just because I like something, they will tell everybody that it's important, because that's called being a fanboy. And nobody really likes those. So, you know, I went and I asked people what they thought about the importance of story. I wasn't sure if it was to the Legend of Zelda series or to just video games themselves, but it was some months ago I went and I posted a thread about what people think the importance of story. Because you know how I view it. I think story is the second most important thing in making a video game, second only to gameplay. And when I posted this, some people, you know, there were a good amount that agreed with me, but there was still a good amount that didn't agree with me and didn't see story as important as I thought. And, um... Also, when I'm talking to people and I'm talking about how a certain story in Zelda could have improved, they've given me certain responses. So all those responses, you know, I came together, gathered them up, and I've come to give my response to those responses. Now, one of the one of the responses that I got was the Zelda series has never been about story. E lip sis. I, I can't ellipsis any harder than I am ellipsing right now. Now I'm just a random person, I don't know everything, but Zelda is the series that is focused on its stories. If you can choose a random game that's focused on story, it'd probably be Zelda. The word legend implies a story. I, 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 I'm having such a hard time fathoming how anyone could even type this in their computer. I guess my take on it is that people think that Zelda has good gameplay, you know, this is an assumption, and therefore, because it has good gameplay, the story takes a back seat to the gameplay. More on that later. But it, 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 oh my goodness. I don't understand how, okay, here are games that don't focus on story. Games like Minecraft, Mario Kart, Burnout, Angry Birds, Team Fortress series, Tribe series, The League of Legends. And there are games that you could argue that are focused or not focused on story. Games like the Super Mario series, the early Metroid ones, not the newer ones, those are actually pretty heavily based on story. The early Sonic games, even the original Legend of Zelda, you could argue, is not based on story. Games like that, that don't have a story, or their story is 
so ridiculously vague that the gameplay doesn't really rely on it at all. It's just there to let you know. But the Zelda series itself, there's so much intertwining with the story and gameplay. I don't understand how you could see that it's not based on, it's not about story. I guess another take on it is that people see games like Gears of War and Infamous and, and other really good cinematic movie-like games and they compare these movie games to the Zelda series and Zelda tends to tell a story more like a, a storybook than a movie and because they don't equal they put Zelda as lower in the story the story section saying that it doesn't really focus on story like other games now I don't think Zelda doesn't focus on story I, I think that's completely false but even if I did think that was true why is this an excuse to continue bad practice? Why is it okay for a company to say, Oh, we've made games with bad stories in the past. Let's keep doing it. I mean, I'm all for one on continuing tradition, especially in the Zelda series, but not, not this. Now, you heard me mentioning other games. That kind of brings me to my, my next response that somebody gave. Not all good games have good stories. So why should Zelda? And when the person was telling me this, they were using Mario as an example, saying that Mario's story wasn't very good in a literature aspect. Now, when I say good stories, when I say good anything, I'm talking about relatively good. Good for genre, good for its time, good for it. Mario is a free-roam level-based platformer. It really does not need a literaturally correct story. In fact, if it had one, it would probably bring the game itself down. Now, Zelda is classified as an adventure game. Adventure games are centered around the adventure genre, hence the term adventure game. And the adventure genre means it will tell a story. That means the story needs to be a bit more focused than what Mario is doing. And if you notice other types of games, with the adventure genre put in front of them, they step up their story. You have platforms. Then you have adventure platforms like Ratchet and Clank, Jack and Daxter, both series that have really good stories. You have RPGs. Then you have adventure RPGs like Final Fantasy, Kingdom Hearts, both games that really focus heavily on their story. Not all games are the same, and therefore not all games are, need a really good story. In fact, some thrive off not having a good story like Minecraft. But an adventure game pretty much demands it. Another response I got is that gameplay is more important than story. It's true. No, I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, if you don't believe me, play Final Fantasy 13. I'm pretty sure that was way. But my problem is people say this like story has to be sacrificed for gameplay. I believe story takes the second place. I believe if you have to, you sacrifice story. But people say, as long as the gameplay is good, we're fine. Like, we don't really have to worry about the story. Why can't we have excellent gameplay and excellent story? I've seen it done before in games. I've, Infamous, Bastion, Heavily Sword. These are all great games with great gameplay and great stories. Saying that a game doesn't need to focus on its story, is it, it's, like, it's like cooking a steak, okay? You cook a steak based off of the texture that's ordered, well, medium, rare, blossom, or in between. 
Now, when you're cooking that, do you say, well, as long as I worry about the texture, I don't really have to worry about the flavor or seasoning? No! You make that steak, you make everything about that steak as best as you possibly can. Now, if you have to, you dim down the flavor because it's affecting the way that they ordered it. They ordered it medium and you, you dim it down so that it, it can be that medium steak. But if you don't have to, you try to make everything as best as you could. That's how a game should be made. Everything should be as best as it possibly can. And one final thing I want to take note is that people say that People just generally don't care about stories. That, that, that that's that's not true. <laughs> I, I'm just a random person. I don't know everything, but I've seen way too many people compliment and negative compliment, whatever that word is, games for their stories. We Zelda fans do it all the time. We complain about stories all the time. We highlight stories all the time, but people do that. Games with really good gameplay and stories are praised much higher than games with just good gameplay. And remember, when I say good, I mean relatively good. They are praised higher than those with just good gameplay. And of course, a game with just a good story and not good gameplay is going to be heavily negatively praised. Now, the problem with literature is that it's it's an art. And today's world, we live in an age of technology. It's not the Renaissance anymore. Art is not openly appreciated like it should be. It's appreciated. You know, people go to movies and play video games and watch TV and they say, oh, I like the plot. But nobody really sits down and say, oh, I really like the juxtaposition of this movie that it has with another movie. And those two characters really foil together because the symbolism is just so perfect, except for me. I do that. But most the most people do not do that. They just go and they say, well, I like how they paired those two up or, oh, I like this plot, blah, blah, blah. They, they like the story, but they don't openly appreciate the literature. But art is telling a story. 90% of the time, art will tell a story. Pictures tell a story. Music tells a story. Literature definitely tells a story. Poems tell a story. I guess that's part of literature. Sculptors tell a story. Art tells a story. And most of us see video games as art. Or as an art form. Video games tell a story. Even games that don't have a story tell a story. Let's take Minecraft again. Again. Minecraft has no story. Yet, it's about you if you were placed in a sandbox environment. It's not telling that story, but at the same time, it's telling that story. Now, I'm just a random person. I don't know everything, in case you didn't know that by now. And I love most of the stories in the Zelda series. I think most of them are really excellent. But sometimes I have complaints about them. And if I'm talking to you, you know, on the forums, and I say, this Zelda game story is not as good as it could have been because of blah blah blah. Please don't say. That doesn't matter. Because it does. Well that was random, and I'm out. I cannot stress enough how much I agree with you, random. I story is everything and video games are art, and I don't know how to convey and I'd like to also say that I am one of those people who goes to movies and I'm like oh that character foiled with that character really well yes and, she does and it drives Rish insane <laughs> well when she does it in the middle of the movie I'm like, hey Rish hey Rish let's talk about the theory of this <laughs> I'm trying to watch the movie the Avengers is awesome anyways 
So I do have to agree with you as well. I really dislike when people are like, it doesn't matter what the story is. Well, yeah, it does. It matters a lot. Alright, next up we have Colonel Majora, and he's going to talk to us about an oldie but a goodie. Sailing versus sailing. Who's going to win? Why, hello again, my fellow rambling Zelda fanatics. This is Colonel Majora, and welcome back to good old Legendary Reflections. Today I'm going to discuss something related to an old segment of mine. I was looking back on some comments about it, my old... Wind Waker Sailing versus Skyward Sword Flying segment, and one person's comment was interesting. Uh, it was the Hylian Monolith that said, the real question is, Phantom Hourglass Sailing or Spirit Tracks Engineering? Now I thought about that, and bear in mind those are good games, but probably my least favorite ones. And the two transportation mechanics are so different that it's kind of tough to compare and contrast the two. But there's one pair to compare, pardon the wordplay, <laughs> Wind Waker Sailing and Phantom Hourglass Sailing. I remember judging the comparison right after starting Phantom Hourglass, so I'm going to go through three of my five big points about video games that I think should be judged first. Gameplay, control, and music. Story isn't really a part of this since no big plot things happen in either game, really on the ocean even though I kind of wish they did. Um, and graphics are not really a big effect on this argument. So to start off with gameplay, I'll have to talk about what exactly you do with the boats themselves. In Wind Waker, you definitely have more leeway, since Link can exit the boat and freely move around in the water and on nearby land. I miss this a lot in Phantom Hourglass because it just makes you feel less confined and like you're in a more realistic world where you have less boundaries. And this also meant that you could park your boat virtually anywhere, so you wouldn't have to go back to specific little docking areas all the time, in Wind Waker at least. There's also the extra parts of your boat that you have full control over in Wind Waker and not so much in Phantom Hourglass. Wind Waker's grappling hook was usable on your boat and on land, and though you didn't get the whole minigame style of bringing up treasure like in Phantom Hourglass, it was still actually preferable. It took less time, and le therefore left you more time to find more treasures elsewhere, uh, whether you were looking for little on-water lights, the little light rings, or by putting your sea chart and treasure charts side by side in a neat little fashion. Then there's your cannon. Phantom Hourglasses was much easier and faster to use and had infinite ammo. But, is that better? In Wind Waker, you had to actually tip and turn the, the thing around and judge where it may land, just like a real ship. And Salvatore's cannon game in Wind Waker was way better than in Phantom Hourglass. Finally, the wind mechanic, in general, sometimes it's annoying but still better than Phantom Hourglass with Oh look, new sea chart area. Dodge line. Wait half hour doing nothing. Now, don't scream at your iPod saying, Hey, Wind Waker has this problem too. Cause guess what? 
At least you could move about on your own, slowing down and speeding up and turning as you will, shooting down different monsters, dodging barrels and tornadoes and warship fire, keeping an eye out for treasure, going into submarines and sea platforms, using the mighty Tinkle Tuner, get out of here, Rish, everyone else loves him, fighting big octos, jumping over barrels for rupees, stopping at little extra islands, and waiting for the darn sunset as you sail in actually flowing time. While... Phantom Hourglass has you waiting for Lineback to move you across a navigation line with few enemies and few interesting islands in perpetual noon hour. Not so cool. They tried making things easier, but they just made them kind of boring. At least Wind Waker had a little difficulty to it and had loads of things to do, making you feel like a real navigator. While Phantom Hourglass teaches you to draw lines, I guess. Anyway, you get the point. Now for the controls. As I said before, Phantom Hourglass gives you more control over certain parts of the ship, like the cannon and grappling... Excuse me. Salvage arm, quote-unquote. Also, you can go inside the ship's engine room, and you can go fishing from time to time. Wind Waker, though, gives you more use of the things you actually have. Again, the grappling hook is usable on land, and you have loads of helpful charts and treasures to bring up from the ocean floor. Phantom Hourglass has, I believe, one necessary use of the salvage arm, and Wind Waker has several necessary, and even more optional, but more entertaining uses. Now the ship itself? Again, Wind Waker wins. The King of Red Lions can basically adjust speed, jump for actually good reasons, while... Phantom Hourglass's jump is just another crappy gimmick. You can use on-sea items and drift about with the R button for detailed movement. You can jump in the water and speak with the Red, with the red Lion King for advice whenever you want. And Phantom Hourglass's only big step up from all this is that you don't need to change the wind's direction to go certain places. Now, music. As I said in the sailing versus flying segment, Wind Waker's sailing music changes plenty of times. Besides the normal ocean theme, there's... Music for the Cursed Ocean, on-sea battles, big octo-fights, music for certain islands that you may be going by, total silence at night, which is nice, and simply slowing to a stop during the day. Besides Phantom Hourglass's main sailing theme, which was an undermined version of Wind Waker's, it only has changes during Jolene chases, which last for about 5 seconds, the time tracking the ghost ship, time fighting the ghost ship, and the ocean mini-boss fight theme, which, again, is ripped off from Wind Waker in the Big Octo fights. Wind Waker's music was beautiful, and I remember loving the tunes even more at the Symphony of the Goddess. Like, it just sounds fantastic. But Phantom Hourglass's music, I'm pretty sure, didn't even make the cut for the concerts. But hey, in the end, I think you know my standing. Wind Waker wins with about 98% better content, at least in the sailing mechanics. Along with all these things, the ocean's bigger in Wind Waker with about 49 islands versus about 20 locations, including ships in Phantom Hourglass. Wind Waker's difficulty is fairer and not ridiculously easy. You get early access to the entire ocean in Wind Waker while Phantom Hourglass holds you back, and there's plenty more things to consider. But I won't go into them, because I think you get the idea. 
But now it's your turn. As usual, send me your feedback at colonelmajora at gmail.com, all one word. Do you think that there are any reasons why Phantom Hourglass's sailing is better than Wind Waker's? Or vice versa? I sure think Wind Waker just wins <laughs> completely, barring a couple little factors. Anyways, uh, thanks for hearing one of my heavier rants. Um, my One of my more extremely opinionated ones. And I'll see you next time. So good day, good night, and good game. Okay, Colonel Majora, you know what? I do have to agree with you that it is probably better, Wind Waker over Phantom Hourglass. However, I do have to point out with the locations versus islands thing that... Uh, One's a handheld, and one's not. That's a big thing for me. Um, I don't really have an opinion. I've never actually played Phantom Hourglass. Phantom Hourglass. Well, I played the beginning, but I. She will say. play. I do own it. Um, well, yeah, that's kind of the point. Um, but I just hated sailing in Wind Waker altogether. So, yeah. Din's not a sea person. <laughs> Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Mailbag. Um, we have one voice question that's a little garbled, so we're actually just going to answer it this way. Din? Uh, the question was a question we've had before. Uh, what is our relationship? Um, some of you guys have had some strange guesses that we were brother and sister, that, uh, <laughs> there's been lots of guesses, but the correct answer is... We are dating, and we have said that before. That's not news. But this is in case you've missed those earlier podcasts. We are dating. Uh, let's move on to the next question. Hey, Dean and Rish. This is Elevon Ninja, and it says in Hyrule Historia that the ocarina and the time shift stones are the same color. And it says, do you think they're made of the same material? So uh, what do you think? Are they made of the same material? Thanks. Um, this has been a fairly debated topic. I've heard whisperings of it um, for quite some time. Um, I never really researched this, so don't quote me on kind of the theory, but I think it's very, very possible. Um, it makes sense that the time shift stones control time, and so does the ocarina, and they're the same color, and we don't really know the origins of the ocarina, so I think it makes sense. And you know what? The fact that the Orcarina could be made of stone like that, I, I would say, yeah, you know what? I'll throw my hat in the ring and say, sure. The only thing I would say that doesn't fit is that the time shift stones uh, only go one direction. Um, they only go to the past, right? They do come back to the future, but to that same point. Um, whereas the Ocarina can kind of move you around all over the place. That is true, but um, for me, I will say that maybe it's <sighs> The music, maybe the stone resonates as certain sound wave, and that's why it can only hit a certain point. Oh yeah, that's another Whereas thing. The... How does because like the time shift stones don't respond to music; they respond to touch. Right. So it could be a resonance thing. Maybe. All right, let's go to our next question from Spider Tiger Seven. Hey, Dylan Riss, this is Spider Tiger Seven, and this is my question. If you could go on any one of Link's adventures without dying, what one would it be? 
like you actually do it. Bye. I like the but you don't die part. Yeah, that's definitely very important. I would prefer not to die. I, we've had this question before, and I remember saying, but it was just like, which which quest would you want to go on? And I was like, well, I'd probably die within the first couple minutes, so. That's probably why he said this. Um, you know what? For me, I'd have to say uh, Skyward Sword would be my adventure. Ooh, that's a good one. Because then you get to fly, and you get to... I don't know, there's just so much to it. I'd probably pick Majora's Mask just because I like um, the idea of being multiple people and actually transforming and, you know, um, Majora's Mask had a lot of magic associated with it and that's what I really enjoy about fantasy. Alright, let's go on to the next question from Spider Tiger 7 again. Hey Dan Rish, this is Spider Tiger 7 and I was wondering, if Miyamoto asked you to put an easter egg in one of his Zelda games, what game would it be from and... What would it be? So, an Easter egg from any other game, or an Easter egg from an earlier Zelda game no, no. into a new Zelda game? No, I think he means you create an Easter egg, and what game would it be in? Right, and what would it be from, though? That's the whole point of the Easter eggs. Oh, right? oh, I got you. Uh, so, for example, Ocarina of Time, yeah, no, they no, have no. the Mario. You page. know, I know what you mean. Um, well, for me, I would have to say. See, it's so tough, though. You know what? I probably wouldn't do a Zelda to Zelda Easter egg. I no. would do. Like, That'd be confusing. I don't know. Have there been any Metroid references? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. I might pick that, or do something totally crazy crossover, like something Nintendo isn't even responsible for. Yeah, but you gotta be careful with the whole copyright thing with that. For me. Luigi's Mansion. Maybe in the background, you you can look into a house or something, and Luigi is sucking up a ghost. Or one of the dungeons is Luigi's Mansion, and there's like a cutscene where he just runs past you really quick, and you're like, wait He's a like, second. <laughs> and then you see a bunch of Poe's pose chasing him. Pose? You mean booze? No, I mean pose. That's why he oh, can't suck them up, because they're pose. Gotcha. Ah. Ah. Um, All right. That was kind of a combined answer, but there you go. Okay, uh, let's go to the next one from Quad Force. Which do you prefer, the Dark Zelda games like Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess, or the regular games like Wind Waker and Ocarina of Time? Hmm, let's take a guess which one Din will okay, pick. Okay, <laughs> Everybody vote. <laughs> vote in the comments below. We all know what it is, but vote. For me, I can't choose. You know what? Honestly, I cannot choose. I like them. All. For any... I don't like the cartoony ones as much, but like the original Ocarina of Time, uh, Twilight Princess, I like all those. Uh, for any newcomers in our audience, Din would pick the dark games. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, and the last one from Viva Aerith. Uh, if I say it wrong, I no, am so sorry. He says it better. Okay. Din and Rish. Would you like to see a mirror-based boss or mini-boss battle in a future Zelda game? Why or why not? An example I've briefly thought about would be a room where the walls are mirrors, and the only way you could see the boss is in its reflection. I think it would be an interesting way to add dimension and challenge to the battle. What do you think? Signed, Vivereth. Vivereth. There you go. And the answer simply is yes. Please, yes, please, yes. Do this, Nintendo. Yes. Um, I nerded all over the place when I heard this question. Um, that was... 
<laughs> Tabuscus, line steel. I think that's it's a brilliant idea where you what you're seeing in the reflection is actually behind you, and you have to look forward but attack backwards. It would, it would be insanely um, motion cr- controls where you're stabbing behind you or something. And it would be it would be like. I don't know, on, on so many levels, a, a mind puzzle on top of battle. Finally, a use for bomb chews. You have to send it in front of you, it goes up the wall, over the roof, and hits the guy behind wait, wait, you. Wait, what do you mean finally? Bomb chews are like the best bomb thing ever. Bomb chews are worthless. Bomb chews are so much fun! Worthless. Go to Kakariko and you stand at some weird angle, put it down, and it's like all over the houses and around the roofs, and it's like BAM! But simply pointless. Okay, whatever. That's all the time we have for the mailbag today, so sorry we didn't get to any text questions. But we'll try for next time. Uh, Keep sending those voice questions. That's the whole reason why we got cut on the text questions. Thanks very much, and uh, be sure to leave us your thoughts in the comments section or in the discussion thread. Next up, sneaking into the podcast, we have Beast Mode Man, who's going to stealthily tell us about... Stealth. Hey there guys, Beast Mode Man 97 here, and welcome to my submission for Z-Talk, the Zelda Dungeon Podcast. Uh, most of you probably haven't heard of me, so I guess I should probably give some sort of introduction for myself. As you know, my name is Beast Mode Man 97 I'm a relatively new member on the forums, um, so this is like my first major undertaking as far as the site is concerned. But I'm a long-time listener to the podcast and decided I want to make a submission, so here it is. Okay, so today I want to talk about something that, at least for me, is kind of starting to be important, and I think needs to be addressed in the Zelda series. And that is stealth. Now, we all should be familiar with stealth in the Zelda series. We've seen parts involving stealth in almost every major, recent major le- release we've had in the Zelda series. When I talk about the recent ones, I mean games Ocarina of Time onward. Specif- specifically, I'm going to be talking about the games Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Skyward Sword, as those are the only ones I've been able to get my grubby little hands on besides the original two. Each of these games have had some sort of stealth stage in it, where you have to use a certain amount of care and skill to avoid being seen by enemies or whatever. So what I want to do is go through each of these games and talk about what they did in the stealth department, give my opinion on how well they did of certain things, and how bad they did of certain things, and talk about what they could have done to make them better, and what they can take from these games uh, and apply it to future Zelda games. Okay, so let's go ahead and start off with Gerudo Fortress. This, I gotta say, is without a doubt my least favorite example of stealth in the Zelda series. Again, of the ones I've played. As it was without a doubt the most unrealistic section of any game that I've ever played, and one of Ocarina of Time's few but biggest flaws. Basically, what Gerudo Fortress is, is a desert fortress where you go when you're trying to find your way into the Spirit Temple. You run out of your sword, and all your gear, kick butt, hero of time, and you are sighted by some random chick in a white outfit who doesn't move, and you are whistled at, and Link sticks his hands up in the air and gets himself thrown in the jail. And if that's not bad enough, they leave Link with all of his equipment and let him try to escape, and when he does so, he can use his bow and arrow to shoot arrows at the guards instead of killing them. It just stuns them. The stealth is basically non-existent, and the way they go about it is so unrealistic, it's just terrible. They could have made it a lot better really easily. Get rid of the carpenters that you had to rescue. Take away Link's items and actually force you to, you, to, you to use real stealth to get out of the trouble. 
when, when you go get far enough, maybe you can you find your sword and use it in an epic duel with the Gerudo and the Red Outfit, and get your membership card and your items back. The allowance of Link to keep his items was inexcusable and ruined the ruined the coolness of the area for me. Majora's Masked Pirate Fortress plays the same way as far as I know. I haven't been able to play this one, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, so you guys can tell me in the comments if I'm wrong. Uh, so I guess I don't have anything to say on that. So then we move on to Wind Waker's Forsaken Fortress. This is where the stealth in Zelda really gets off the ground. Wind Waker's stealth was not very elaborate, but it was more involved it was more involved than Ocarina of Time, requiring you to, you to hide under barrels from enemies while moving through the dungeon without your sword. This is something I'd like to receive return of an upgrade. Rather than just hiding under barrels, but actually manipulating your surroundings to make it harder for your enemies to see you, which would make stealth sequences much more involving and enjoyable, and I'd love to see that in future Zelda games. Moving on, we take a step back with the next game in more ways than just stealth. <laughs> just kidding. But I was definitely disappointed on, on the stealth end. Instead of expanding on Wind Waker's innovations, small as they may have been, Twilight Princess should have taken another step in making Zelda more stealth-oriented. Now, I say that meaning I'd like more in Zelda. I don't want Zelda to become an E to T-rated Assassin's Creed, though somebody really needs to come out with something like that, but I digress. Twilight Princess really didn't have any stealth that I can think of, unless you count the part where you have to tightrope walk over Telma's bar. Alright, so now we move on to Skyward Sword. Just for those of you who haven't been able to play Skyward Sword yet, there are Skyward Sword gameplay spoilers in here, so you don't want to listen to this part. Uh, in fact, you probably don't want to listen to the rest of the submission at all. Okay, so now that's, a, that's out of the way, Skyward Sword did extremely well with almost everything it did with stealth. So let's go ahead and start with the Silent Realms. The Silent Realms were areas where you would go in and be stripped of all your items, and you had to run around grabbing these uh, tears that would put enemies to sleep for 90 seconds. In the game, there are four such areas, and, each area, and in each area, there are 15 tears to be collected. This is without a doubt my favorite stealth part in the whole series. They are slightly challenging, which is good. I'm happy that they weren't crazy hard, but at the same time, they weren't super easy. They're sl still slightly easier than I'd like, but oh well. I like that they put the lantern-bearing watchers, as they're called, as it added a level of difficulty that was definitely needed. Also, I like that they had two types of guardians, that they and that they were sort of fast, but in my opinion, could have been faster. All in all, I really liked the Silent Realms. Again, they were slightly easy, but overall, they were pretty well done. They let you run away from your enemies, rather than forcing you to stand there like an idiot and get caught, but i.e. Gerd of Fortress. Alright, so next up we get to El the Elder Volcano mission, where you're looking for the Fire Dragon. You get caught in the eruption of the volcano, resulting in your capture and the loss of all your items. And when you wake up, you're inside a jail cell, and you have to dig your way out of the prison cell, and then sneak around the volcano. This area as a whole is done decently. It's sort of a ripoff of Gary the Fortress, but in this one at least you don't have your items and you, when you get your sword back, you can just go around kicking butt. What really annoys me about this area is two things, both relating as to what happens when you get caught. One, when you get caught, unlike when you were sighted in the Silent Realm, you can't run away. What, with, why they didn't allow you to try to escape is beyond me. Well, they did it in the Silent Realm, why not here? Two is the way you knock you off. 
a catapult? Seriously? I mean, this is one of the single most unrealistic things I've seen in the whole Zelda series. Not only is it stunning at what pinpoint accuracy those bulbous nose vocal blends have, but the fact that Link just stands there and lets himself get hit, hit bugs me to no end. At the end of the day, though, I like what Skyward Sword did uh, most, as it definitely had the greatest amount of stealth in comparison with the other games, and did a far better job. My suggestions to make it even better? Well, I'd sort of take what the Silent Realms did and sort of combine it with Elden Volcano, sort of giving Link the option of both running and using items against enemies. Also, I'd like to see them give Link actual stealth moves, maybe adding a button that switches the controls all into stealth mode controls, which allows Link to move more stealthily, allowing him to crouch or press up against, or press up alongside a building or hide behind something. Also, like I said before, manipula manipulating your surroundings to make it harder for enemies to spot you would be great. Like hiding behind some ferns or other bushes while wearing your green tunic would make it difficult to spot you. I'd like to see that. I'd also like to see them add some more weapons that he would use in situations that would require stealth. Dan, Beast Mode wants more Respirate too. Give Link like a lockpick or something. Maybe I want too much, and that's too much stealth for most people's taste in the Zelda game, but those are some of my ideas. What do you think? Do you like stealth in Zelda, or do you not? Do you agree with my points? Why or why not? Tell me in the comments. Alright, um, that's it, so I will see you guys later. Peace, Mode Man 97 out. Yes, two votes for the wrist blade count. Um, I don't know about wrist blades. But, but, I could definitely see a change in controls based on if you're in stealth or not. Maybe if you sneak up behind an enemy, you can press the attack button and Link will, like, just slam his sword into the enemy's back or something. There was a Spider-Man game way back in the day that like I played. Like, 64 No, I think, no, it wasn't that far back. It was, like, GameCube era. Anyway, where there was two totally separate sets of controls, depending on whether you're in stealth or not. If anybody knows what that is, what game that is, leave it in the comments. But that's kind of, that'd be a cool idea for Zelda. Uh, I think it could be useful too. I don't know about the lockpick thing, but definitely the stealth mode, or being able to hide in the bushes if you're wearing your green tunic. Assassin's Creed. But not being able to hide in the bushes if you're wearing your red tunic. Yeah. They'd be like, um, that's I not right. I see you. <laughs> you're right there. <laughs> no, I'm not. Holding up, like, a leaf in front of your face? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But stealth in Zelda? I would say yes. Did once more! Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Keaton Quiz. This is Zetox Game Show, where two contestants are asked ten questions from three different categories. The Legend of Zelda, where they must show their knowledge of the games in the series. Z-Tunes, where they must name the title of a song and what game the song is from. And Zelda Dungeon, where they show their knowledge of our website. Legend of Zelda and Zelda Dungeon questions are worth one point each. Z-Tunes questions are worth two points, one for the correct title and one for the correct game. Contestants have 10 seconds to buzz in, and 10 seconds after buzzing to answer a question correctly. If a contestant buzzes before the question has been read in its entirety, the remainder of the question will not be read. 
If a contestant buzzes in and hesitates for more than the 10 seconds or gives a wrong answer, his or her opponent may steal a chance at the question. At this time, the question may be reread. All questions and answers are created from Zelda Dungeon's web pages. The winner of the game becomes the champion and moves on to the next round to challenge a new opponent. After winning five rounds, the champion will face off with our very own Axel the Beast. If Axel wins, the champion is eliminated, and the next two contestants will begin a new round of quizzes. However, if the champion is victorious, they will continue their reign. Anyone can be a contestant on the Keaton Quiz by signing up on the forums, but all applicants should note that cheating of any kind is grounds for disqualification. Good luck to all of our contestants. All right, and welcome back to the Keaton Quiz. Um, this time, I'm going to introduce the challenger first. Can I get... Crazy for Crash, please. How are you doing? I am doing great, thank you. Alright, and can we hear your buzzer sound, please? Yes, you can. Very nice. I Very like nice. it. Very nice. And our returning champion with the number of wins that I do not remember. We're going to talk about that in a sec. It's Tattletales. Hey, Tattle, how's it going? Uh, I'm tired, a bit worn out, but extremely accomplished. All right. <laughs> and can we hear your buzzer sound just because? Mm-hmm. Change it back. Change it back to the old one. All right. Um, so before we get going on anything here, I want to just make a point that there is somebody very, very nervous sitting in the audience listening today because Miss Tattle is currently tied with Colonel Majora's record. So if she is to win today, she will set a new record. Okay, no pressure. Um, and the other thing I would like to point out is that Crazy for Crash is our very first Aussie on the Keaton Quiz. Actually, I think on the podcast in general. So, welcome, and we had fun figuring out the time zone. <laughs> that was a joy. <laughs> Let's get to this before he has to go to bed, I need to go to work, and... <laughs> I have to ask to get to in a few hours. It's a different day we're here. <laughs> yeah, so let's hop to it. Alright, let's it's get going. It's only half an hour into the day. I'm not going to do as well as last time, but I will try. I will also try to the best of my skills. Good luck, Tattle. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, wow. we Someone's at each other. Someone's actually being nice to each other. <laughs> and they aren't as confident as usual. There's not that snippiness well, to it. I'm like, I'm like, just woke up, and, and I've been busy all weekend, so I haven't really been paying attention to Zelda, so I'm not as confident in my abilities, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep trying my best. I've been too busy playing Super Metroid, which came out in the Wii U eShop. <laughs> That's true. Alright, well, if you're both ready, we'll start the questions. Cool. Alright, question number one. Category, The Legend of Zelda. What is the consequence of blowing up people's doors in the original Legend of Zelda? Tattle is first. Take that for one. First point. But you were close. I did hear you just after it started. Well, you heard Link right after it 
stuff. Yeah, we heard Lane. Yeah. yeah. Question. You mean that's not you. Oh. <laughs> Question number two. Category: Zelda Dungeon. On the Zelda Dungeon wiki, which link should you click to find wiki entries which we want to have finished most quickly? Yeah! Crazy. The wanted pages list on the left side of the page. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, no. no. Good answer, though. Tattle. Tattle. Blade into the white 
Tattle. What's his name? I don't know. Time is up. No time. Okay. Crazy. Crazy. In the Minish Cap, who will forge your broken Picori blade into a white sword? Contestants will be asked a series of consecutive fast-paced questions about Din and Rish. 
The first correct answer wins the game. Contestants must still buzz in to answer, and there are no steals in this round. So if I don't hear an answer right away, or a buzzer right away, I'm just going to keep going and I'm going to ask the next question. Okay? Are you two okay. both ready? Yes. <laughs> Tattle, is that a yes or <laughs> no? That's an apparently yes. Oh my goodness, I'm scared. Don't, okay. don't worry, I'm nervous too. <laughs> Alright, here we go. How many years older than Din is Rish? Yeah! Crazy. Two years. How many degrees does Rishian have? Tattle. Um, one? What program is Din in at university? Tattle. Biology. What kind of computer does Din have? Crazy. Crazy. Is it, is it a Mac computer? Holy crap! section below the podcast post on the main page and in our discussion thread on the forums in the community section. I want to see a lot more people in that discussion thread. Usually I only talk to a couple. Yeah, I want to give a shout out to Evie Chan, who posts every single month in the podcast thread. So, thank you, Evie Chan. You are awesome. I would also like to say, for all of you people that listen to us on long commutes, I've read a couple people, you know, I've got an hour commute, I ride the train, I have to drive. Thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. And if 
you guys are not commenting because you're listening to us while you're traveling around, try to drop us uh, a comment once you get to wherever you're going. Definitely, please do. And remember, sign up for that Keaton quiz. Um, and send us more questions. And if your name was on the list in between PK Flash and Crazy for Crash, um, then you didn't respond to my private message in time. Remember to read the rules on the Keaton quiz. Um, and be sure you're checking your private messages if you're on that list. Alright, that's all we have time for. This was Din. And this was Rush. And this was Z Talk, the Zelda Dungeon Podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs>